0: Gyro Nation medal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Nation Metal. Immortal Possession is a Canadian death metal band dating back to 1989 and was formed in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Members John Duke and Chuck Laboisier have worked together since that time, allowing two other bands to grow with them, Votov and Psychotic Gardening. Derek Kroll joined Votov in 2015 and Immortal Possession in 2020. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with all three of these guys as they gear up to release some new music for Immortal Possession. Their new album, The Resurrectionist, will be released on December 9th, just three days after the release of this episode. Gents, welcome, and it's good to see you guys again.
1: Hey, nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you as well. I originally made guys at Loud as Hell this year. Was that your first time?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't our first time playing Loud as Hell. We played in, what was it, 2019 with Botov. So the festival is not new to us. It's a great environment going there. Like uh, even just the camping, we were roasted like lobsters this year because it was a heat wave, but <laughs> we enjoy every every minute of being there. That's a one hell of a festival that they put on. Yeah. Fantastic people. Really awesome, like family type, like metal family type of situation environment. Yeah, we got lots of friends out that way. So we got to see Nate Reno and a bunch of, uh, and Nancy. And yeah, we, we enjoy going there. We we're going to be going back again, I'm sure in the next year or two.
0: That'd be awesome. And you guys played two sets, one with Votov and one with the mortal possession. So right. did that make everything a little bit more busy for you guys?
1: Definitely. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, well, I'll let John answer that one. I don't know, it, it, it's a, 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 festival like that. Um, I guess ideally it'd be great to have, uh, you know, a trailer and stuff like that, where you actually had air conditioning, and all these <laughs> other luxuries. Uh, so yeah, sleeping in a tent, uh, you don't really have any shelter from the elements. So pretty much you're just, you're going like 24 seven. And John <laughs> Heller is basically a desert in the summertime too. And uh, to, to make a point of what you you you'd mentioned, that both bands played. I mean, we're coming from Manitoba; it's quite a far way to go, right? So having it a weekend festival and us playing on two separate days makes it, you know, easier to do. You know, because we we rehearse both sets all the time. So
0: yeah. okay, yeah. One thing I was blown away by. Uh, I think Loud as Hell's great, but it, for me, I really like that old school death metal sound. And I think you guys were refreshing and bringing two different sets of just crushing death metal to the festival. It was awesome.
1: Oh, thanks. Yes, thank much. you very much. Thank you very much. You
0: guys have great energy live too, so I was, yeah, it was awesome for me. <laughs> you guys have obviously known each other a long time. When did Derek? Or sorry, when did Derek come into the fold?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I was in EM with Derek before this, right? And um, I, I knew eventually we'd end up playing in a different band at some point in the future because he's a wicked drummer, right? I only play with good musicians, right? Eh? So. <laughs> <laughs> You could look at all the people I played with, there's some pretty good talent in there. Oh, for sure. For sure. But yeah. I believe it was around 2018. It was 2018. Yeah, it was 2018 because we released uh, the first VOTOV right at the, I think it was December 20th in 2017. And uh, Matt, our old drummer, basically uh, left the band right after that. So me and Chuck immediately started writing And, uh, we had approached Derek probably, I don't know, a few months after that. And, uh, we got together a few times and, uh, yeah, the rest is history.
0: Let's chat about some of your new music. So you guys released a music video for the song mass murder. Why did you choose that track specifically to lead with?
1: You know what we recorded three videos, um, and mass murder was one of them. And we did like the performance of the band, right. But there's also going to be storyline in these videos. So, Mass Murder was the video that we could have got away with not having uh, a storyline, if that comes to that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The other two videos are going to have a storyline, like... interspersed, like, what's the performance aspect? Basically, horror movie gore type of stuff, you know, Uh, like... uh, Altering <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like the botel video activating the, activating the <laughs> get us <laughs> in fucking trouble there <laughs> yeah a little controversy yeah it's like uh, nowadays uh you know our our next videos are where we're gonna have some gore in there ourselves so it's gonna be like i wonder if we're gonna get censored you know from trudeau and his uh his, his new uh, internet censorship bill and stuff like yeah, that so yeah, i guess yeah. we're gonna have to find out about that but it's gonna be a horror movie the other one so we just figured uh, this song we could get away with uh putting out that like performance only video and for that one I I mean I'm planning on making two videos for each of those songs one is going to be performance only the other one's going to be storyline just because why not you know we can do whatever we want kind of things we're pretty self-sufficient that way we can uh, constantly create uh, content for ourselves so uh, we track we track everything pretty much in-house So I track my own drums at my house. Chuck tracks at home sometimes, too. And he does pretty much all the production end of things, like mixing, mastering, sometimes, too, as well. So, yeah, pretty much do-it-yourself band.
0: Sorry, guys. I was on mute there for a moment. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I (laughs) I can't see. I'm like,
1: I'm frozen (laughs)
0: <laughs> My apologies. What would you say has uh changed about your music since Immortal Possession's inception and what are some of your main focuses putting together this release?
1: Um I'd say I'd say the main thing, the main difference between the two bands is the lyrical content, probably. Um Botox is more a thinking man's band or thinking person's band. And uh Immortal Possession uh mainly deals with uh, gore and stuff like religious topics. Gore, death, religion, uh, spirituality and whatnot. Botov more deals with like political and, you know, um, yeah. media Medi- influence and stuff like that. And another big difference between both bands is that um, Immortal Possession has many time signature changes and tempo changes within songs, yeah. whereas Botov is more straightforward um, less left tempo, tempo all the way through usually yeah. something like that yeah. Yeah. not necessarily oh. one tempo i think mean, sometimes a little slow and stuff on the same oh yeah tempo so to speak I it. right uh, yeah but we don't change our signatures i right? know on in voto generally um so right. and, you know people that understand music they'll know what we're talking about i suppose like immortal possession has a lot of like you know five eights and uh three quarter time four four time and you know all these different time signatures and votov is generally mostly four four it seems to me the main the main thing, too, with VOTOV, when we uh, started, it was we wanted to keep the songs short right. and concise. Um, we call it punch-in-the-face metal. And <laughs> also with VOTOV as well, we want to always keep it three-piece to the point where it's like it's three-piece. Like It's like you're going to hear bass, you're going to hear one guitar. Even though I double-track my guitars, I'm playing the same exact thing, so it means you know, three guys, whereas Immortal Possession is four guys. There's two rhythm guitar players, and in Immortal Possession, we have extra musicians, whereas we have lead guitar players, we have uh, violins. violins, we got keyboard parts that I'll put in there, pianos, and all sorts of other shit. So we got, you know, more freedom to to go do more experimental stuff in Immortal Possession, whereas Botox is generally going to be guitar-based drums only and vocals only. Like, you know what I mean? Be, uh, being a latecomer to uh, joining Immortal Possession, like I have only been a part of the band for, I'd say, a couple of years, but there was a huge learning curve for me because I'm playing basically everything without a click track, and there's tons of time signature changes, feel changes. It's hard to adapt to when you're so used to being tethered to a click track, right? It it may, it, it was just a a large learning curve for me because I don't I've never played music like that before. It's just something that was completely new. So it took me a little while to get used to it, but once I was used to it and it clicked with me, it was, I've been happy ever since basically. You've been happy too. Yeah. And it's based on feel, but you know, when you train yourself with click tracks, like we all have, um, you get to feel finding like in your spirit so much that he knows exactly. And we know exactly like, we're not scared. Like we don't have to be like listening going, oh, he's on time. Like we just play and we know he's on time because he's got good timing, like perfect timing. And we, you know, we've studied, you know, like I say, when you practice with a metronome, I always tell people, play with a metronome, play with a metronome. And then you just, time gets embedded in your brain and then you become, you know, a a better musician. Yes. Exactly.
0: Some of my previous uh, guests have described not playing with a click track as, um, kind of encapsulating more of that live feel. How do you guys feel about that?
1: Well, it, it's, like in Immortal Possession, yeah, we get that live feel, feeling and, and our internal clocks are pretty pretty awesome, right? So um, I agree with that sort of feeling. But uh, at the same time, um, if you play a certain, like, song, let's say a little too slow, it sounds terrible. Or if you play a certain song too fast, it sounds like clown music. And it's like, damn, I should have been slower. So a click track keeps you perfectly in, you know. But let's also re- re- reiterate here, though. I'm the only one hearing the click. These guys aren't hearing click live. They're just hearing my drum performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The only one. i'm the only one who's hearing the click thankfully yeah okay. thankfully exactly I, he, <laughs> these guys wouldn't like your I would go mental man I, yeah. I can't stand it so it's only me because it, it keeps me like uh, it keeps me steady and that's what i like and i can really gel with a click that's i'm a studio guy right so it's something that's kind of embedded in my head i'll record with a click as well yeah no, we all do. yeah but i mean like i'll listen to it like instead of Listening to the drum. We want to be as tight as we possibly can when we're a three-piece too, right? There's, it's all bare-naked. Yeah. Everything's there, out in the open, and you can't hide anything when you're a three-piece at all, yeah. As a matter of fact, I'll just say something funny. In Immortal Possession in the old days, we were a four-piece originally, and we became a three-piece when our lead guitar player started playing drums. And um, we became a three-piece, and that's when I first... That's the first time I had to like really listen to myself because The guitar player that was in the bag was better than me, and he would always put himself louder, right? So he'd be like, you know, and I wouldn't hear myself. And then as soon as I was the only guitar player, I'm like, holy shit, do I suck. So I had to like really learn how to play awesome, you know, because I'm the only guy bare naked. My balls are hanging out there, right? I gotta make sure that they're nice and smooth. I hope they're not too.
0: I guess that's one of the reasons you guys practice literally every Sunday. You guys keep a tight schedule with that.
1: Yeah. Well, that too, and uh, if we get called at- up called upon to do a show, like yeah, we have to be at. We're ready, and it's yeah. uh, it's almost om- like it is a a spiritual um, you know thing for us. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. go to church, but this is our church. So when we play all this like brutal like death yeah, metal stuff, it's like it feels good, right? Like you know. I could have road rage pretty easily, and I come to rehearsal, and then when I leave rehearsal, I don't punch people in the street. So <laughs> it, it makes for a good release, right? And that's what you know. That's it's a spiritual release. It's how do you say that? It's uh, I'm going to take my negative energy and I'm going to twist it into something positive, and that's what like this thing. We just got our CD. This yeah. is a positive thing. Oh, this wicked. comes out of, like me being angry at society. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, I am humanity's <laughs>
0: filter. Derek and Chuck, you guys both belong to Psychotic Gardening as well. And though this band takes more of a black doom approach to metal... Um, let me... Oh, shit. Sorry.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. No, John was in Psychotic. Where and... were you we at the end?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah see, so... we were doing Psychotic
1: and both of us. We were tour-ing and stuff. Yes. Yeah. I never played live with Psychotic. No, he never played live, oh, okay. but um, he's still in it now too, right? So anyways, go on with your question. I just wanted to make sure that, you know...
0: I just wanted to get a little bit of a rundown of, of that band as well. Like how did it start and where did it, where does it fall in oh. between Votov and In Modern <laughs> Possession?
1: Yeah, that's fucking long time. This that's where I light up. Yeah, that's an old, um, that's <laughs> a thing like fucking, where did that start? That, that started as um wanting the ability to, um, to expand musically, to have keyboards and pianos and fucking multiple vocals and all sorts of stuff. So it was really wanting to be a studio thing. And then it just became, at one point it was me and the other two singers and it was just us with the, that machine, right? And we played like you know, almost like rappers, and I was like, eh, whatever. I, eh, I kind of would like a band or whatever. So at some point like we got a band together, and it was a couple of guys from Saragus scalpel that I, I was in at the time, and you know, and then after that, got some other guys, and then we had seven guys in that band at one point, and then I was convinced to play guitar. Like I was just a singer, and I didn't want to play guitar, but then they convinced me to play guitar. So I played guitar and vocals, and then we became a six-piece. And that, that band was like designed with two singers and stuff. It was designed to really like spread out. We had a keyboard player and it's amazing. Like just really wild and awesome. And so as time went on, you know, all this bullshit happening throughout, you know, like the last 10 years or whatever, people, you know, decide to do other things and whatever. And the music scene is what it is and whatever. And uh, so it gets to a point where, you know, that band lost so many members that we kind of put it to sleep for a bit. But right now it's like, Because we do all our own stuff, we're recording songs, and we're going to release, like, recorded music. We won't be doing live shows, but we'll be doing recorded music. I mean, you never know. There might even be a song that we do with the old keyboard player. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You never know. That could happen. And it'll just be a treat and, um, you know, probably, like, just release an album type of thing. But I can't see that man playing live, though. No, we we have our focus on Immortal Possession and, and off, Yeah, like we can't, I can't commit to three separate so, entities. Recording-wise, we could do it, right? Yeah. And we could put out a like a disc pretty easily, because I mean, we do everything at home. Like we do our. It's home. all in house, yeah. yeah. It's all in house, and it all sounds good enough. Like if people listen to our stuff, they can, you know, they'll know. We're connecting with, you know, good gear. I yeah, wish we, I had more outboard gear, but that's just, you know, money the, thing, right? So it, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, all they gotta do is listen to the tunes, and that's, you know, I mean, really, it would sound great for sure. I'm happy, happy with that. I'm very happy with the What we got. And then of course, like, um, we've got like fucking awesome guest musicians on the immortal. Oh, and sure. it's just great, man. It's like to hear the leads that these people have done and the violins and stuff. It's like, it's, it's incredible. It's makes it even like. Bigger, like, you know, Tim like, and you know, Ronnie, and there's so Scott, many, you know. and, and Mike, yeah, know, all, and Adam, and yeah. Aaron, Welsh, Aaron Welsh, Yeah, yeah. You know? There's a lot of people that made this album, like, pretty sweet. And our, our other, like, guitar player who's not here with us right now, Lee. Lee lives in Ontario, eh? like, uh, for Immortal Possession, we're a four-piece, right? So he's the member that's not here right now.
0: When things started out, because you guys have been have been part of the music scene for quite a long time at this point, did you see yourselves going this far or for this long? Um
1: no. <laughs> me personally I I know for sure that I'll be doing it for sure. I know this and um yeah, I see that and I see more and bigger things always, yeah. It's just the way it is. I do, yeah. For me, yes, I thought I would be still doing it. I always wanted to, but I just didn't think that. You know, when 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 you look back in your in your mid twenties and you're going, Well, someone tells you, yeah, you're gonna be you know, double this age and you're going to be playing death metal. You kind of would look at it and laugh, right? Really, like. But uh, now I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, and I love it. And I've always loved it. I always secretly wanted to do this as, as my full-time job, but obviously, uh, it's pretty hard to uh, make a living being a musician these yeah, days. For sure. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty much fun. impossible. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, and the scene was totally different back in 1989 as well. What was it like in Manitoba back then? Death metal was was still relatively new. Yeah. You know what? It
1: was great. Seriously, like back in those days in, let's say the late 80s, we had bands like Sacrifice and Razor coming to our city. And we're all like, yeah, this is where I met most of the people in the Winnipeg music scene of our generation was at these shows, right? So we had this guy named Mike Lambert. He was an awesome promoter. And he told me once... he says i like to book good bands. i don't book my friends even though you're my friend i book you because you're good so he's telling me like he's booking good bands so that you know he brings people into shows like so he booked us with napalm death and brutal truth and we're playing like that was one of our earlier like shows with one of the bigger bands and people come up to us like i love you guys where are you guys from and we're like we're from winnipeg like nobody knows we exist they only come to the big shows so basically through Mike Lambert, he helped us become who we are and it was like, awesome. So, you know, going to these shows like back in those days, and then there was like Royal Albert and stuff and, you know, we would, you know, go there and, you know, I would see the guys from the other bands, like, Hey, you guys want to do some shows? And we like, yeah, like, so then we started all doing shows to us and some of the older, like, you know, the early thrash and death metal bands from our city. So it was cool. There was, there was quite the variety of, uh, especially at the, the Albert, um, They were notorious for taking three bands that didn't belong on a bill together. Punk metal and hardcore. And and put them on a bill. One show. One show and the place would be packed, and it would expand your fan base. Like every time you played with one of these different bands. So it was a really, really good experience. Sometimes Sometimes it was fights. Sometimes sometimes it was fights like between like like, (laughs) back then with like skinheads and uh, the anti-nazi skinheads remember those yeah, kids, yeah they would always fight each other and all this goofy shit whatever but but still everybody still got along pretty good though like you know back then it was the days known as like where everybody got along like you know regardless of the but yeah by, by like the early to mid 90s all that stuff was put aside and it was just a really good scene like everyone was there for the music and it it wasn't about egos or anything like that. It was all all about just uh, performing live and uh, you know bringing out as many people as you could and, and being a big metal family. And I have a joke about back then. It was like back in the early '90s, there was five bands and five hundred fans. Yeah, but now there's five hundred bands and five fans. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's in a one. band now. Yeah. But back then, there was only like a dozen bands in our city, but now there's like, you know, 50 or 70. I know. More than that, probably. You know, yeah. I, I don't know.
0: What drew you guys to have your music? What,
1: what, what was the question?
0: What drew you guys to have your music in the beginning and who are some of your, the first bands that you guys heard?
1: What drew us to it? Well, for me personally, it's like, I liked the sound of evil. I like heavy, like, like, you know, black Sabbath and stuff and whatever. And when I hear like Celtic Frost or possessed, like vocals that are like, like that kind of shit. I liked that. So I was always drawn to the heaviest thing I could find the lowest tuned, like, you know, really fast or really slow, any extreme. So that's what always attracted me and evil. I like evil. I like darkness. I like, you know, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So to me, that was always my inspiration. So, you know, Sabbath and then thrash and then death night. Yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, the first time they actually, my neighbor uh, invited me over. He was a few years older than me, and uh, he put on a, a Sabbath record. And after that, it was, uh, I was it's always like, drawn to that heavier music. Just those notes, say it's, it's like, like wow. little notes. I remember hearing, like, Iron Man, and I was like, oh, I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, my god. Oh, yeah, I always and then awesome. when I heard Neon Nights, I loved it. Geo's incredible. man, yeah.
0: Love that shit. Uh, Ozzy or Dio for Black Sabbath for you guys? Ooh.
1: Ian Gillen for me, man. Wow. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Gillen's number one for me. It's like uh, yeah, Born think... Again is my favorite album. And then my second choice is Dio and then Ozzy. Sorry to say but... I, I don't know. It's a toss-up for me. I like Dio more as a singer than Ozzy. Although uh, Ozzy did sing, like, the, the first Black Sabbath. Oh, the, oh so, like... Mm-hmm. I'm it's a big fan of amazing. the first... Five, like the Sabbath. Wizard, you know, like yeah. the harmonica. The like, first five Sabbath are untouchable, man. It's amazing. And that's that's why I put yeah. the to The Aussie years with, I know, in Dio the Dio 70s Dio. were amazing, yes. Yeah. But the Dio stuff is... So Ian Gillen's the best singer. So I love the, get, man, yeah. I love the. I love, I love the, yeah. the production was so weird on that album. I liked it. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. He tried to make it bad on purpose. On purpose, like, No, yeah. sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to fucking sabotage them for that album you
0: yeah. know when and how did you guys get into your respective instruments
1: uh i started i actually started later like i always when i was younger i always wanted to play guitar but uh it was one of these things where my parents didn't encourage it and they didn't support it or anything yeah. like that so it kind of came later in life I, I think i started when i was around 16, 17. And uh, I originally wanted to play guitar, but I picked it up a few times and I was like, damn, these strings are so tiny and close together. And so my buddy that played guitar, he was like, well, why don't you uh, try bass? And I picked up the bass and... Uh, You're going <laughs> to <yeah. laughs> I've been abusing them ever since. Yeah, basically, Tarz is scared when Don walks into a room at a music store. You <laughs> the, hear all the fucking and power deep. and it's, it's like deep. Deep. <laughs> you the next freaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, For me, it was. um I remember being a little kid listening to the radio, and I was like, I I made a cardboard guitar. I was like, yeah, I want to play guitar or whatever. And uh and then later on, I, you know, I was playing guitar and. then we needed, some, like, I was like telling my buddy, hey, uh, you, you gotta sing. And I was like, I want you to, like, bark like a dog's kind of vocals. And he's like, I don't know what that, and I was, like, showing him Celtic Frost or whatever. And then he didn't want to do it. So I was like, fuck, I'll just do it. Right. So then I started singing and then I enjoyed it a lot. So that made me want to be a singer. And because of someone like, you know, um, James Hatfield or Rob Urbanati from Sacrifice or even Tom Warrior, but, you know, like, mainly those two guys because they're guitar players or singers. Um, I always wanted to like I want to do that shit. So I just became that, you know, but then at some points in some of the other bands I was in, I was like in EM or Serrated Scalpel. I was a vocalist only because I wanted to do that because it'd be like, it'd be fun to not have the responsibility to sing and play because it, it's really hard to do. Right. So then I could sing different kind of passages, you know, where I don't have to worry about, fuck, oh, I got to do all this shit not be tethered to the mic. Yeah. To the guitar type of thing. So yeah, that's, That's how I became in it. I started drumming when I was 16 and started cutting my teeth with some Metallica and Megadeth songs with uh, one of my best friends, Justin Steer. I uh, was in a band with Justin, Alpha. the band was uh, Alpha Kilt. Uh, We were technical thrash. I guess would be the way we described our sound. Really good, too. Yeah. We were, Pick it up, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. I, I was, I'm still really <laughs> proud of my time in that band. For oh, yeah. sure. I really enjoyed playing with those guys. And Dustin uh, and I definitely worked together a lot over the years. Like I was also in Dire Wolf with Justin. Um, Derek's got a big catalog of really good music. Thank you. you got a lot done, eh? Yeah, I, I have got young a young guy here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still the young gun in the band, yeah, for sure. But... Uh, Yeah, I just, I've been drumming constantly the last few years, it's been my busiest few years, so I've put out like, I think three albums last year, or this current year, sorry, but uh, the Immortal Possession album was kind of like the last one that I knew was like, that needs to be released, because it's it's just such a good album, I'm so happy, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy with the the final product of everything, the presentation, the mix, master, Chuck's job on everything, like putting the album together, basically, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, it's incredible. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. And I, I especially want to hear what people think of the last track, because it's the new track that we actually have original for this album that wasn't from the original demos. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really good song. It's a no. It's a one really of my good friends, love. Mike Caves. He, he composed a symphony on guitar. He's for us, he, basically. He's a lead yeah. guitar player on this album. One of the lead guitar players on this album. He's been a friend of ours. He was in Diem with me as bass player at one point in time, and I played with him in Endless Chaos when I was filling in on the vocals for that band once. But uh, I like this guy. He's a really nice guy, and he's such a great guitar player. So we really wanted him to do some songs with us, and he did this song. And I just said, write some stuff, man. He's got like. Free guitar card harmonies like on guitars it's just
0: oh it's just great awesome it's just epic john i have to say thank you for uh, sending me the epk yesterday i was able to listen through it once last night um so i'll be going through that again tonight at work it's uh hey, it's pretty good
1: uh, happy to happy to hear your feedback on it too
0: I can definitely give you guys a little bit more detailed feedback tonight, but overall I enjoyed it. There were definitely some songs that that drew me right in from the get-go, but overall I, there was not a single track that I didn't like.
1: That's awesome. That's, that's great to hear.
0: I think let me just pull up the uh, the titles here because I do remember. Uh, I really liked Waltz of the Corpse just because of the beginning, like that set it out from uh, set it apart from the different tracks just because you had that like waltz like intro. And it just, it was, a, it was a completely different feeling, I guess, from the rest of the song because then it goes into the crushing death metal and it was like, this is perfect. <laughs>
1: yeah. That song was, uh, that was, song was put on the album at the last minute instead of another song because I wasn't 100% happy with the sound of that other song that was excluded. So I was like, fuck, I want Walls of the Corpse on there so bad. I just freaking love that song. And I'm like, yeah, I want it. So boom, it's there. And I'm so happy. <laughs> and uh, down the line, too, we've, we've got. Uh, we're thinking of, uh, we've got a really good video concept for that, that we might, uh, we will do, we will do yeah, we'll over, do. over the winter, mm-hmm. awesome. yeah, hopefully release it in the springtime.
0: That'll be cool. You guys mentioned that class warfare was, it was the only track on this album that wasn't included in your demos. So are these all re-recorded and, and yeah, re-recorded songs then? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, the entire, um, yeah.
1: so, so the whole purpose of this project to begin with was, um, we, 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 Like, we only released three demos uh, back in the day when Immortal was active. And we were never really happy with the way the recordings were, because back in the day, you would go into a studio, you only had so much, you had a limited budget, you had limited time. And it wasn't the studio's fault, it was our fault. We weren't, like, you know... And we weren't 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 as great as we were, blah, 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 right? So, looking back on it, it was like, wow, these songs could be so much more and when we finally uh, figured out that Derek was the guy that could actually like perform these songs the way that we had envisioned them yeah uh, we had to re-record all the songs because we've been hounded by multiple multiple labels to re-release the mass murder the ep
0: yeah the way it yeah.
1: was like yeah. but we didn't want to do that no. so um we figured out. Uh, well, we're we're gonna. We had about two albums worth of material, and uh, we released this one. We put one new track on it that we had written uh, this year, and uh, then we're planning on doing another one, and there'll probably be a couple of more new songs on there as well. Yeah.
0: So, in a way, the title, the Resurrectionist, is kind of um, like a signal as to what's to come for you guys.
1: Exactly. exactly yeah. It's it, it has multiple meanings. So, Chuck could probably explain it better. Well, there's not really much to explain. You can you totally was... get into it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, well, the you know what a resurrection... res- you know what a resurrectionist is? I do not. It's like okay, so in the 1400s or whatever, uh, there was like uh, night doctors, they would call them, and it's basically grave robbers, and they would steal hmm. corpses to uh, sell them to, <laughs> for like people used to do stuff with body parts back in the day and like for medicine and stuff. And and it wasn't, they they used corpses to learn about that too but they also yeah. did other things like they yeah. actually ate like flash and stuff like there's weird shit that's been happening back in the day but in many ways they, anyways, fat yeah, they would sell team. like they would people would eat human meat back then you just look yeah. it up it's really interesting so, and then uh, what you see on the album cover, the, the grave, you know, uh, is covered with a steel cage. I think it's called mm-hmm. a mort safe or something like that or whatever, but, uh, or mort cage. Uh, I think it's a mort safe. I don't know what it's called. I forget, but. I think it's charging, yeah. Okay. Um, it's, uh, that was so that these resurrectionists wouldn't steal the bodies and the corpses at night or whatever. So it's just, and then plus resurrectionists, it's like, those are old songs from years ago. So we're resurrecting them. So there's a lot of multiple meanings, you know, we always like to throw that in mm-hmm.
0: I like that you guys are actually re-record that you have actually re-recorded the tracks instead of just taking the demos and putting it on a new album.
1: Yeah, I never wanted to do that because the performances weren't the best, and uh, like our talents have gotten so much better since then. And then also the drumming is way better now, so it's like this is the drumming that is perfect for these riffs. So this is exactly the way we want these songs to be represented. So we kind of finally got that chance to do that. And then we also have full control over the sound, like Don was saying. Yeah, back in the day, you're going into the studio, and you're paying fucking for time, and you're like, oh, shit, Ugh, that's good enough, man. No, oh, fuck it. No, let me do another take, man. I can do it better. No, that's good enough. And then later on, you're like, shit, I hate that part. I wish I would have fucking... Or that new one sucks, or like, yeah, like what am I going to do about that now that it's recorded and yeah, I already committed myself, it, right? It pisses me off, and then every time you hear this one little part, you're like cringe or whatever but there's no craving whatsoever on this album. like it's just, like I just know, it. everything is the way we intentioned it to be right yeah. i just love it i'm like yep yeah, this, this is what it's supposed to be finally you know
0: so i'm just uh i'm gonna jump around for like a little second here you guys mentioned that like razor and sacrifice were two of the bigger canadian bands that used to travel through the city who else would you consider some canadian death metal pioneers
1: well i like slaughter beyond possession I like slaughter um that's like not the the, the glam slaughter but the, yeah strapado right? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know if you're aware of them but uh they were awesome back in the day boy bud we, yeah, we like boy too yeah i like boy boy we like man. we like disciples of power like we oh, played yeah. lots of shows with those guys back in the day too and that's like well they called that power metal back then remember yeah. i could consider that power metal. No, but that's what they called yeah, yeah. it back then, back then yeah, yeah for sure it's like because it was like Fast, but it was also like technical, so they called it Power Metal it Power Trap or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cryptopsy. You know, Cryptopsy, uh, Cataclysm. Cataclysm, yeah. We've played shows with those guys. Gorguts. Gorguts, yeah. Annihilator. Yeah, Gorguts, man. Um, Helix. Augury. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Ugry. laughs> no, but I do like you. Augury,
0: yeah.
1: Augury yeah. yeah. is awesome. <laughs> um, neuroaxis Yeah, neuroaxis is great. Yeah, Beyond Creation there's a lot like, of good bands really but like, yeah and there's something in the water in quebec man yeah really <laughs> hit. yeah yeah especially back then too. yeah uh, no doubt uh, Martyr, Martyr Martyr with yeah. uh, dan yeah. mongren from Voivod. yeah that's hard to say the bands I love we, part You it. know, even back in the day, like during the Thrash kinda of era, there was like, remember Out West John, there was like the kill and uh yeah. caustic thought and bands like that. We yeah. like those guys. What about Fovatis or Fovatis? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're great too.
0: It sucks that some of these bands are no longer around. Yeah, they're, they're not around, around anymore, no. You guys already discussed some of the differences between lyrical content in Votov and Immortal Possession, so how did you choose those those streams specifically? And, why, and I guess the second question would be, why did you choose death metal specifically as well?
1: Well, I don't know. Death metal is the sound I like, and it's angry and whatever. Immortal um, Possession was during the 90s, and I was really into like the religious kind of stuff, because I was raised as a Catholic. And I don't like Cath. I don't like religion, and I wouldn't. So I needed to like speak out against it and whatever. So that's where that lyrical, like, you know, subject. And then we say about gore and stuff, because that was the thing at you know back in the day. I'm not a big fan of gore stuff, whatever. It's just it's fun, whatever, but it's whatever. Um nowadays with botob it's like I'm very conscious, I'm very socially conscious about you know, people fucking with us and like the government and, and corporations and all that shit trying to fuck with us. And I'm just aware of it and I need to speak it. And i I don't even I just write what is given to me with the antenna up here to the sky and there's like there's a thing that you know okay so I'll, I'll tell you this little short story um you know how um in in the army like native trackers they had long hair and they would find their way in the bush easily right and then so the military made them cut their hair and then they couldn't find themselves they were lost right so there's a concept that Hair is an antenna. That's why I got a long beard, right? And other like thinkers in, in history have had long hair. Einstein has long hair. I've had long hair since yeah. I can remember. So <laughs> hair is like an antenna for thoughts and ideas. This is like a deep thing. This is a vocal type of idea, right? But um, so this the ideas come everybody in the world gets the ideas at the same time that's why you will have um, inventions happening all over the world at the same time or even like ideas for like you know death not old guys like guys my exact age like luke Lemay and like from Gorgas and all these other guys are like a month younger than me or a month older than me and it's all and we have similar ideas on music and you know ideas of metal and riffs and shit it's like we're given this stuff through the, the ether and we're capturing it with our antennas. Like it's whatever. I can go deep, but I guess I'm talking <laughs> kind of crazy here, <laughs> but it's true though. This it is is. A thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, fuck uh. So anyways, that's where all the ideas for BoToP comes from. Like I go into a trance and I write, and if you read any one of the BoToP lyrics, especially Immortal Possession, is different because it was written in the nineties, you know, before 1994, but after 1994, anything that's written is a trance and it just comes out and it's, it's what the future programmed me to do in the present because the future has already happened and they sent me here to make the present happen. So there you go.
0: John, sorry. You and I are the odd ones out here. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's mental
1: stuff that is deep, deep, deep. And it's like, it's why humans were created. And it's like, I'm trying to tell people this through lyrics. Not by my own will, but by the will that was, you know, bestowed upon me by the gods of the creation. I mean it's it's the way it is. I, I can't help it. I'm I'm on earth to give a message to humanity, basically. And we do it through music. It's the way it is for me.
0: It's an interesting concept because that can like parallel the conversation that's ha- being had with psychedelics right now in like yeah. healing and therapy and stuff like that. So oh, interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, psychedelics are uh I don't do psychedelics anymore, but I did in the late '90s, and um, you get to you get to learn that the world is bigger than what it really is. And when you start seeing things for what they are, you really start to see other things for what they are. And then once you know these things, it's like holy shit, whatever <laughs> makes you hate life. Like <laughs> shit, so man. We got smart enough as a human right? Lots of uncomfortable fucking truths.
0: Yeah. There's
1: also a lot of amazing things that we have discovered as well. Of course. Of course. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. sword, Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
0: You just have to be willing to take the good with the bad. And it seems like, um, through that kind of therapy, you can kind of like remove the blinders a little bit.
1: Exactly. I love to know things like knowledge is power, right? So the more, you know, like the, the more power you have, like, it's like, like you know they they tuna wants to censor everybody and whatever right so censorship it's funny it's like if you censor your enemy you don't know what he's talking about and you don't know what he's up to if you let your enemy fucking speak publicly you could see that he's going to do some bad shit and you could fucking take care of it but if you're such a dumb piece of shit that you're going to censor everybody yeah. it's going to go underground and then yeah. people are going to do things and then surprise revolution like, actually fuck, happens, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous like no. see i i get mad when when people that are in power, shouldn't have power, and they become a fascist dictator. And then there's this group called Antifa who are apparently against fascism, but they're nowhere to be found when fascism is happening. It's it's bizarre to me, but whatever, you know, I get mad.
0: (laughs) I think more people should be mad about people that decide to take control and make everything worse for everyone. Part of the problem is you have these people at the top that just have their own personal agendas and they think that they know better than everybody else rather than yeah. letting everybody live their life in every, in, a, in a safe way of course but exactly, in a way that's yeah. free and productive for everyone yes yeah
1: exactly yeah. and if more people in the world thought that way we wouldn't be in the situation we're in like man i study media and i study like especially cbc and ctv and it's the amount of fear that they put into people's brains is ridiculous. Now we have little kids that are terrified of everything nowadays. And so now like we have, um, I don't know if you know what MAID is, it's medically Assist- Medical Assistance in Dying, okay? It's a bill that Trudeau passed and coming up this year, um, children under the age of like 18 are gonna have the legal right to commit suicide Medically without their parents' consent. That's that's fucked, fucked up. up, man. Is wow. fucked up. That's fucked that makes up. me mad. And it's like, so it used to be for people that were like terminally ill and it was like, okay, they have the right to die. Yes. But now it's like anybody with a mental condition, it's like, eh, I, I'm depressed because I can't pay my rent. Oh, sign up for a maid. You can fucking end your life. Like they want to get rid of people. And it's like, just look it up. Your you're be, on the wall. You're gonna be yeah. blown away. You're gonna be like, Wow. And it's like, you know. Like, there's vulnerable people. When I was 13 years old, I would have fucking killed myself easily, man. I would have been like, you know what? I don't like fucking this world. It's like, hey, the government says I could kill myself. Hey, m- mom and dad, fuck you. I'm going to go sign up for this. And then you go and then you, you sit back and they give you some drugs and you, oh, it feels great. Oh. And then you fucking die. Isn't that amazing? i like, fuck, man, they're <laughs> offering this. I- I'm going to make a commercial. Hey, you could die. If you're depressed, you could kill yourself now. See, it's fuck it up. Ugh. the government's intentions are very much off and you see this is what inspires me to make the songs and the lyrics that I do because I'm it's like I'm driven to like something makes me have to fucking try and save my fellow man or help them understand that they're being fucked you know what I mean it's like you know let's say uh, you're friends with somebody and uh, let's say you're friends with some girl and she's getting abused by her husband constantly and you're just watching it happen that's bullshit man it's like you gotta help them like, I'm trying to help people. Like, people are like, you're a racist. Why am I a racist? Because I'm trying to help people. Oh, my God. And people are programmed with all this shit from CTV and on CBC. And it's like, like Trudeau calling uh, Freedom Convoy people racist and misogynist and shit. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? They're fighting for freedom. And it's like, you're calling people names like that, you piece of shit. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I get that. <mad. laughs>
0: have you been watching that, that tri- not trial, I guess, but the I have. the whole investigation into the blockades and stuff and the Ottawa protest.
1: Yes, I'm very in- involved and interested in that. Absolutely, yes.
0: It's embarrassing what our leader says about everything. Like he's just—he oh, is, he is so, so no. verbose and saying fucking nothing at all.
1: I know it's 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 it's. I'm so embarrassed for Canada right now. It's like, he is uh he is involved with One World Government with Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Like there's no doubt about it. Freeland is as well. There's conflicts of interest everywhere. He's had how many scandals? Get this clown out of office. Yeah
0: that's what i don't understand is he's gone through so many scandals and detrimental decisions and, and he somehow, still he keep somehow. Him in. he's a Fuck.
1: criminal he is a criminal he's still shy. and he's a
0: drama teacher he has no fucking business being there
1: <laughs> and you know and, and i talk about this and people are like, ah, you're fucking far right like this and that. No. i'm like no I'm, i care about it like i hated harper just as much right yeah. i hate when somebody is a piece of shit that's speaking, wandering their really own fucking you know their own their own good not our own good so it's just like no i don't like either side of the the political bird i like to fuck the bird you know what i mean like fuck, i don't like <laughs> it here's the thing i didn't like harper for a lot of specific reasons well trudeau has just surpassed how yeah. much i hated harper yeah me too oh my god yeah me too. which is crazy because I if people I, still vote for him that's whatever <laughs> next, or, or, or we're told if... that they vote because i personally don't believe that the voting system and all that is, it's fixed, man, it's absolutely fixed. But whatever, that's just my opinion. I mean, how could anybody want this piece of shit in charge? Like, he's a loser, like, look at him, he's such a moron. Whatever, next topic. Yeah, Yeah. let's not talk about mental non-disclosure
0: agreement. So, Derek, you're obviously no stranger to musical diversity either. Uh, you belong to quite a few different bands, or have in the past, batting all the way from power metal to heavy metal, prog, black death, and thrash metal. Tell me a bit about that. Like, you're, you're very diverse.
1: Yeah, so the first serious recording that I was on was an album by Evil Survives called Metal Vengeance. Uh, that was in 2008. We recorded in uh, Private Ear Studios off Notre Dame and Gertie here uh, in Winnipeg with uh, John Paul Peters. He's a Juno award-winning uh, producer. Uh, he's produced bands like Propagandhi and like some serious talents went through private Ear over the years. It's a Juno award winning studio. So we tracked there for that album, we probably spent 10 grand on that just the tracking sessions. Uh, but we did get a government grant for the follow up so that recording in a good studio and in a good environment gets good results. Usually if you have extended time for tracking, and we took probably a week and a half to track everything.
0: Was that a factor grant? Was that sorry? Was that was a Factor fact Grant? It?
1: it was, yes. The na- the follow-up to the follow-up to Metal Vengeance was uh, Power Killer. Hmm. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, that's where I started out, and then I we did an EP called Judas Priest Live, uh, the, the next year after, Ed Repka, uh did the album art. Uh, he, you should see the album art if you haven't already seen it. Check it out. It's basically us as a band in the parking lot at a Judas Priest concert. And we are all demons, but he got every detail of what we actually look like in real life and composed us as demons. It's just an amazingly lush portrait. Uh, And that's a seven inch. So we had two songs on that EP we did the following year. And then we did Power Killer in 2010. Ed Repka did the artwork for that as well. And we tracked in the same studio for all the albums with Private Ear. Uh, So I did two full lengths with them and an EP. But we had a third full length that is not released to this day. We had it was just Charlie and I. So Charlie tracked the guitars, the bass, and the only problem we had is we ran into a vocalist problem. We did we uh, we didn't uh, have a vocalist to actually complete the tracks. The band kind of split up or fragmented, uh, where Sean left the band, Carl left the band, even I left the band. So uh, I, I was dragged back into the recording sessions basically because we wanted to finish the material we had on our plates and it just never got released and that would have been released in 2013 that would have been the final effort but it never came to fruition and then uh i was also an alpha kill during that time uh playing live shows in winnipeg mostly and uh we recorded two albums kind of spaced out uh one was in 2012 and one was in 2018 and uh, i played in noir uh we were like uh progressive black metal band i guess uh quite different than most bands in canada i'd say talented guys uh but i left them in 2015 and then i started playing in em with chuck it was awesome in 2016 I, I don't before that 2015 i think because yeah. we did cremation of care the single in 2016 and i was when the session for bacterial was at the same time period so yeah, I was, I've been working with Chuck off and on since 2015, I guess, really. That's why I knew I'd want him as a drummer in Botox and Immortal Possession. Because of that. Because I knew. Like I say, I only play with good musicians. He did uh, expired Utopia. I did expired Utopia with Ryan uh, Forsythe, one of my good friends. And Mike Taves. And Mike Taves on vocals. Uh, another good friend of mine. Amazing musician. He's the one that did the leads on Class 4. R- Ryan and Mike are two of the most tightest guitar players in town yeah and tasty playing like tasty riffs for days with those two ryan's awesome ryan's amazing but mike's also amazing like they're both like just incredible players so i was lucky to play on that ep we it was a three song ep but each song is 10 minutes long or over oh shit yeah they're, they're all epic epic songs it's power metal though like it's it, that's a different recording. You got it's, it's never been live played. Right? It's never. Yeah. Been, it was a studio project. That's, we kind of knew that that was going to be the case. That's a really good thing about modern days, like nowadays, is that we can do projects like this. Like you know, we talked about psychotic gardening recordings and shit. It's like we could do recordings and not have to you know play live on certain projects and stuff. So it's, oh, it's yeah, about yeah. It. yeah. And then I'm uh, involved with Scott Croker. Uh, he's one of the best guitar players in Manitoba as well. And uh, my buddy Aaron Bacon on bass, and Paul Labissiere on cello, piano. He basically composes for a living, right? So he works uh, like within symphony orchestras. Uh, he's won an award for being composer of the year. Right. Yeah, he's just an incredible, incredible talent, and we're lucky to have him on board too. so yeah, I've had I've been a part of a lot of good projects, stuff and too. I got the Creek stuff too. I'm uh, on album number two with those Re- guys. Right. I only played live shows. Oh, yeah. But I've also been a guest on a couple dire and Dire Wolf, too. And you've <laughs> got a laundry list. A laundry list. <laughs> l- I got a laundry <laughs> list. You should see the albums in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He ain't got no skeletons. He just got albums. I just got offline all these for you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Nice.
0: What are some of the biggest differences between playing drums in different genres?
1: Uh, it's a challenge because you're doing different things and then you become more diverse along the way because you're doing different things. Uh, with Immortal Possession, and like I said, the, the main difference from Botov is uh, I'm free-timing everything, but it's uh, that's a challenge for me. And then the crew stuff stuff's kind of more rock and roll groove, like we're trying to do the 70s, 80s sort of stuff, right? But with a more modern tone, like, really with a more modern tone, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's there's so many differences. And then Noir was a little more dark, you know, abstract, avant garde stuff. Like clean guitar, piano, different different elements. Um and alpha kills like straight up balls to the wall, thrash two thirty BPMs, just slam and thrash. And with that being said, there's probably like more fucking um those triplet beats, than triplet. Oh yeah, you can't yeah. like I couldn't maintain constant two thirty BPMs on the double bass. There's different styles of like, you know, like those little <laughs> Or yeah oh yeah tri- 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 oh, tri- tri- oh for sure like, death metal is always and then the thrash is like <laughs> the, yeah the yeah the, tri- the broken triplets yeah but we but, do that still because we you know it still sounds great we, we have yeah. thrash yeah. elements in both of them too, so we do and, we part of the, yeah, yeah and i wanted to it. bring that thrash element with me into the band when yeah. i started playing with them yeah because i kind of felt that that's what it needed we actually come from thrash doodle me and john like yeah like we come from like traditional metal but then as soon as you know, Thrash was coming around, like you know, Metallica and Possessed and fucking like, uh, Exodus, all those bands from the first Thrash or whatever. Right? We were just like, oh yeah. And then when Death Metal came around, we're like, oh yeah. Like we always went for whatever was heavier, right? So, I don't know.
0: Derek, does your kit change between bands?
1: No, okay. I just changed my tunings. What's that? Okay.
0: Oh, I just uh, I don't know that side of things. So how do you actually tune a drum?
1: Okay, well both heads work in direct correlation between the heads, right? So mm-hmm. when you're tuning the drums, you always think that the bottom head is going to have to be tuned higher to get full tone. Okay. So for me, I noticed over the years when you're in a studio situation, I was tuning so low back in the day where it sounded kind of muddy, right? Like not in a good way where it's articulate. When you tune it higher, it's articulate, right? But, but when it's so low, you just don't hear full tone at all. You have to tune the bottom skin higher to get good resonance out of the drum and to make it sound like a note as well. So I have all of the pitches in my head of what sounds good on recordings now because I've been producing myself for long enough. So I have it kind of down to a science, the tuning at this point. But I have one of those tune bots that I have it and I set it in my head, but I always check between songs when I'm recording now to make sure it's all pitch perfect. I have, it, yeah. I have it all down, but before I didn't. I didn't have the technology of a tune bot back in the day, right? You have to go by ear. So I know how to tune by ear as well. But for each project that I do when I'm recording, I do do different tunings. Like this new Gutter Creek, I'm tuning my toms higher than I normally do. Like that's a first for me, right?
0: So with tuning a guitar, um, and this is also just an assumption, but it's the, tuning the guitar is based on the tightness of the string. So in that case, with drums, would it be like the tightness of the covers? If that makes sense I, i'm probably calling the parts the, skins, r- the wrong names but not like the, like the skins if yeah
1: if your drums are tuned higher your skin is probably like more tight right? it's it is the the rebound you can feel a little bit more when it okay. like the stick is coming back up mm-hmm. so yeah, if that's what you you mean then yes absolutely when it's tuned higher at the bottom you're getting more of a rebound up with the stick coming back
0: and then a low tuning would be uh, like a skin that's a little bit looser.
1: A little bit looser, yeah, yeah, especially uh, both, probably both of the skins being looser, but mm. yeah, you learn over time that the bottom head needs to be tuned higher than the top head at all times. Okay. And when you mention guitars, the lower you tune, the thicker you need of strings, otherwise you'll have sloppy spaghettis. Yes. So,
0: okay, yeah, you that know, makes sense. The lower you tune,
1: the thicker of strings you need to have tightness, because if you have really low tuning, you need thick strings to keep it tight and not flop. <laughs> Here's another weird thing about uh, tooting, tooting drums. So the, the floor tom that I use is the only drum on the entire kit that has an identical Hertz on the top and the bottom. Right. Yeah.
0: What's the reason behind and that? Specific choice?
1: reason because toms like floor big floor toms can have that really negative rumbly aspect to them. Nice. Yeah. Mm. And to round out the tone matching the hertz so, i heard so it gets a rid cancel. it's a phase cancel wow. basically but a natural and phase cancel, phase yes wow. because you're, you have the two hertz identical That's to each amazing. other so i could do 110 110 or 130 and 130 and they'll both sound really good oh wow. yeah yeah because it would harm otherwise it would harm and give that really shitty overtone that is incredible man. yeah see the the science of sound is incredible when you think about like how things work and you know what i mean? yeah.
0: That takes a lot of time to, to know it by ear.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does, but technology helps. Like I have one of the tune bots where you rest it against the lugs and then you tap where like on the skin close to next to the lug to see what the hurts are. So if I have my tuning in my head of what I like, I set the tunings and then I basically every time that I need to tune the drum, I go right back to those hurts.
0: This also might sound like a naive question, but when you are playing drums, are you always aiming to hit the middle of the, uh, the skin or, is, or sometimes that's you're looking it. at the side?
1: Oh no. Well, yeah, no, the aim is always to hit the middle cause that's where full tone is achieved and then a rim shot is hitting the middle and the rim. Yeah. Yeah. And a rim shot is basically on, a snare. on, on the rim and in the middle of the snare. And that's what we're going for when we're playing like the stuff that we're playing cause we need to be heard.
0: Okay. So my last question for you guys today before we wrap up is who are some of your current favorite bands and what genres do you gravitate towards? I know Chuck, you're mostly death metal guy. Mostly
1: except for I, I don't listen to music pretty much at all. Freeze. except No, like I mean like newer music. Like, So I, I spent a lot of time listening to My Dying Bride and Typo Negative for the last, I don't know, 15 years. I used to listen to Typo Negative a lot until Peter died and then all of a sudden I stopped because it made me sad or something. I don't know, but that was my favorite band. I listened to a lot of pre Iron Maiden and just classic heavy metal lately. I, a lot of 70s rock lately because it's pretty good. Like I never I never listened to that shit before. I was always like, yeah, whatever. But it's interesting and it's like interesting riffage and stuff like that. But overall, I generally don't listen to music because I'm just usually making it or editing it or whatever and it's like that's what I spend my time with is my own stuff, right? So, I don't know. But there are some bands that are out there that I really like. Like, you know, like Evolution, oh fuck, amazing. You know, I love Dying Fetus too, but um, friends friends of ours from the states, Gorgatron, I like those guys. Yeah, yeah. they're like a younger band. that's, like probably like you know more like Eric's age probably, and uh, they're good. And really you know, good. I like them, and they're cool guys and shit. So I don't know, you know, but we haven't been out much. You know, it's like in the last <laughs> three years, it's just, like we weren't allowed to play shows and stuff. So you no, know, we haven't done much. But, we have, like, ourselves, we've been recording. And we did the DVD 30 years of festering. Right? It's like we kept busy. But... Yeah, that DVD I'm really happy with, too. 30 years of yeah. festering. Uh, do you know the DVD that we did, right? Like, um, Yeah, have you seen any of that?
0: I haven't seen it, no, but uh, I do know of it. It's
1: yeah, we're going to have to send, send some. to you. So what we did was, like, well, we wanted to record a live. It was actually, we were asked to do a live like a, a during the, during the pandemic. Yeah. For something in Europe or whatever. I don't even know. Anyways, it, whatever happened. I, and I said, you know what, let's, let's record it for ourselves anyways. And we'll, let's put it on ourselves because we're not going to waste our fucking time setting up and all this bullshit if it doesn't happen. So we decided to record it. We got our buddy come in and Dylan Billy. He came in with his cameras cause he's, he's our camera guy, man. He's awesome. He's a, a young guy. That's a wicked young filmmaker. He does all sorts of stuff. We work with him. When we do our videos because i like working with good people anyways yeah so he comes in he set up the cameras we put some cameras on the on the headstocks of our guitars like gopros we got cameras over top of Derek and all that and then so we played the immortal possession set and it was like i think we did 14 songs or whatever we did and we all all live off the floor yeah live off the floor so we did two takes one take and then we did another one as a backup but I ended up using the first take on every song, except for one. And it was just like, this is awesome. And the reason, part of the reason why I liked doing it is because it's live for real and you get to see exactly what we sound like because so many bands cheat in the studio and whatever. Right. And I'm like, I want people to see exactly what we're doing for real. And that's one of the things I always liked. It's like, uh, let's say you play live and, you know, oh, you make the other mistakes here and there or whatever, but people still see how you play for real and it's not all fake. And then um, on this thing, it's like they get to really hear and really see because it's cameras are right on their fucking fingers and everything. So you get to see everything we're playing. I'm in. extremely proud of that. Oh, game. me too, man. I love it. And I, that's like my legacy. Like I could leave this behind after I die. It's like, yeah, that guy did this. Oh yeah, He's pretty decent fucking musician. Oh yeah, cool, right on. Like you know, whatever. There you go. See you later, world. Like you know.
0: And then Derek and John. Who are some of your favorite bands and some of your favorite genres?
1: Um, uh, and Jetson. I really like Watson yeah. and Jetson. is one of my favorites. Um, I like a lot of different music. A lot of different music. Symphony X and progressive stuff. thrash like old school thrash from the 80s. Like, you know, a bunch of stuff. Derek's a music collector. He's got fucking... You can see my CD wall. He's got like <laughs> fucking <laughs> walls of CDs yeah. everywhere. And the vinyl upstairs. Yeah, he's got a nice record player. He listens to music. He's an actual audiophile. I'm an audiophile. Like, I'm a big fan of uh, our label mates, Corrosive. Oh, they're amazing. Uh, they're they're their last album and this new one. I'm going to have to get that. Actually. Really, really awesome. Really good thrash. Yeah. Uh, there's another band out of Ontario that I really like too cold, the Duskwalker. Yeah. I really love uh, Borgetron. Yeah. Um, but generally, I don't listen to a lot of new music, especially when we're in the process of writing because I don't want to be influenced literally influenced by anything I'm listening to right so while we're writing and stuff like that I just generally tend to stick to stuff that you know, I've listened to throughout the years like you know the old classic black sabbath mean, morbid angels all all the old death metal and you know stuff like that it's funny you say that cuz in some of the other bands I was in like I'm like Hey man, have you been listening to so and so lately? It's like, yeah, why? Oh, I could just tell because of the riffs you're writing. Uh, <laughs> like, mm, I could see what you're listening to. Like, you know, so. Yeah, you almost have to be constantly aware of what, what you're listening to because if you're not, you're subconsciously picking up some of the stuff and projecting it out in your own writing. So it's uh, o- over the years, I kind of learned that. One of the reasons I barely listen to music too have
0: sentences. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, I want to say thank you again for joining me today, especially just before your practice. I appreciate this time and I hope we get to chat again.
1: That was awesome. And uh, we appreciate uh, everything you do out there, Jeff. Thank you. And thank uh, you. yeah, we'll talk to you
0: soon. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.